Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Ebner and Dan Wolfenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Bet Online, AG1, Aura, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein, take a deep breath. <clears throat> hey, I take feel much breath. better now. I feel better now. I got a good night's sleep for once. It was fantastic. Look, it, opportunity to go one and two this week for the Chargers. As as this show is happily named Chargers Unleashed, it should also be noted in certain circles as Chargers Therapy for what has taken place over the last two weeks for this fan base. Uh, had to vent out a lot of frustrations and a lot of come to Jesus meetings <laughs> essentially two days ago on this show. But this is the beauty of the NFL schedule is that there is another game that is on their horizon. And specifically for the rest of the season, there is 15 games remaining. And Dan, I said it last week against the Tennessee Titans. I felt that that was a must win game, especially the way that the defense had performed against the Miami dolphins. Now you are staring another Owen two in the team in the face in the Minnesota Vikings, who is just as desperate as a win as the Los Angeles chargers are. And I won't go as far as to say, I, I, I will go further than a must win game. This is do or die. In my opinion, you cannot afford to fall 0-3 in the AFC conference. You just can't do it. Not with this team. Not with this talent. You have to find a way to get yourself back on track after two tough losses. This is do or die team, do or die time for this franchise right now. Yeah, and I would say that the Chargers team would probably say the same. I mean, Factually, technically, if they go zero and three, do they still have a chance? Probably. I mean, at worst, they'd be two mathematically. Games yes, and two games behind the AFC West, most likely, depending on what happens with the Chiefs. Uh, but yeah, this is an important one, and we all have seen the statistics of teams that go zero and two making the playoffs. So how about zero and three teams? That's even worse. Now, we'll see. Lots to cover today. Really interesting matchup going up against the Minnesota Vikings, there's a lot of kind of similarities and threads that you can kind of pull through from both teams. Both teams are 0-2, but different reasons as to why, which we'll get into. Obviously, we'll get into the latest health of both teams. We'll get into kind of the offensive defensive matchups on both sides, as well as bold predictions and game predictions, which we both love now that the team's 0-2. Uh, but before that, let's hear a word about our friends over at Aura. Have you ever Googled yourself and were shocked to see your personal information exposed on one of those public listing sites? <gasps> Data brokers are making a fortune selling your information to robocallers, spammers, and others who want to learn more about you, like where you live. We've been trying to reach you concerning your car's extended warranty. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Aura. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. And brokers everywhere are legally required to remove your info if you ask them to, but they make it super hard to do. So let Aura handle that for you. You could try Aura for up to two weeks using this link that we're going to put up here on the screen. Aura also does so much more to protect you and your family from online threats that you cannot see. So make sure to check out Aura.com backslash Chargers Unleashed to get a 14-day free trial and see if your personal information has been leaked online. Well, 0-2 Chargers, 0-2 Vikings. Let's get into it. Both of these teams, Jake, uh, 0-2, obviously. Both offenses have been cooking. Kirk Cousins has been cooking. Justin Herbert's been largely cooking. If you look at just stats alone, 
A lot of guys feasting. Vikings defense has been better than the Chargers. They're still 0-2. So, macro of this game, Jake. We'll get into like specifics and kind of the ins and outs of this. But like macro, what's your kind of overall first impressions of this game? <laughs> Other than pray to all things holy that something happens and the Chargers defense can cover Justin Jefferson. I mean, that's where that's where you start. Um, you know, you heard Derwin James take a lot of accountability during his interviews yesterday following practices in terms of him saying during the Titans game that he cost the team seven points with one of his personal fouls that kept that driver alive that ultimately led to seven points for the Titans. Um, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day had a lot of cho- choice words for people who believed that if you are writing the Chargers off at 0-2, bleep, F you, essentially, is what he said. Uh, so, yes, from a standpoint of macro of the season, this team is not out of it. There, It's not over. But you have had two really, really tough games to have to swallow at the end and in the fashion that they came to a conclusion where you know you have to be better in a lot of different facets. Your quarterback and your offense has to learn to close games because that's two consecutive weeks now that you have had the opportunity to do that. Your defense, obviously, especially in the secondary, needs to get some things figured out. And you have the task of doing that against one of the most dangerous wide receivers in the game today in Justin Jefferson and a rookie wide receiver in Jordan Addison, who Dan, we spent plenty of time talking about on this show, is already being... I would say out of this wide receiver group, probably the, the the biggest standout so far through the first two weeks. So he has already established himself as a dangerous number two option. And again, coming off of a game where Ryan Tannehill had recorded a 28 quarterback rating through three interceptions against the New Orleans Saints, the Chargers allowed him to finish with, I think it was around a 124 quarterback rate rating. Over 250 yards passing. Yes, Dan, I get it. Two of those passes. It was 130 yards. I don't care. No. He, still, he still went 20 to 24 and finished the game and obviously led them to a uh, to victory with, with his drives. So what are you going to do in a situation that even though the Vikings are 0-2 as it stands right now, it's not because of Kirk Cousins. Statistically, Kirk Cousins is on fire right now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really weird that this team, and I'm talking about the Vikings, it's really weird that this team is 0-2, given going up going up against the Eagles. You know, we're talking Super Bowl runner-up, lost to them 28-34, lost to the Bucks 20-17. So two tough games. And just like the Chargers, like the Chargers had two tough games, right? Going up against the Titans, going up against the Dolphins. The Dolphins and Titans both had tough games and they both won. So just because it's a tough game doesn't mean it gives you the excuse is, oh, we lost. It was tough. That's what happens. Like, no, that's not just what happens. Good teams win tough games, period. End of story. Uh, Jay, what side do you want to start this one off? Do you want to do Chargers offense or Chargers defense versus the Vikings? Well, before we get into that, let's let's talk about just the latest injury report. At the time of recording this show, um, have not gotten the latest drop yet for either team on Thursday, but we'll basically just tell you what we know as of right now. Uh, Daniel Popper obviously putting out today that Khalil Mack is back at practice. He had a rest day yesterday. Joey Bosa is not practicing, but he is still working off to the side, much like he did last week. Uh, both, or excuse me, Austin Eckler is not practicing today, but he is out there again. 
Eric Kendricks being the only player that is uh, on the injury list that is not present at practice. So if you go by the injury report yesterday for both teams, uh, Joey Bosa was limited. I would assume that would be the same tag for him today. Austin Eckler did not practice. We know that's happening. Deion Henley, he was limited yesterday, started being limited practice today, possibly has an outside shot of making his regular season debut, uh, along with Chris Rump, who was also limited in practice yesterday. So hopefully you're getting to that time where, you know, you could put enough work in to where they could go. Uh, and then uh, Mike Williams was full practice yesterday with an ankle. No worries there. Um, and that's it for the Chargers. Now, flipping it over to the Vikings side. And again, we'll wait for these updates, but what we had yesterday in, in Vikings practice Center Garrett Bradbury for a back injury did not practice. That is a big one. Uh, along with Christian Derisaw, he was elevated to limited practice with his ankle injury. Marcus Davenport, the outside linebacker, did not practice. And uh, those would probably be the, or excuse me, and Jordan linebacker Jordan Hicks was also limited with a shin injury. Those would probably be the most notable of the Vikings injuries that they have over on that side. So catching up again, we have not gotten the latest injury report for either team. Uh, if anything does bre- break while we're on this show, obviously we will let you guys know. Yeah, the the big one there, Jake, that you mentioned, in my opinion, was Bradbury. Uh, if he does not go the center for the Vikings, if he does not go, the guy behind him is not good. And we'll get to that in a little bit here. But you hope to see Deion Henley, Chris Rumpf back. I think those are probably the two that you th- would probably say most impactful. Uh, while Tui Tublotu has looked very good early on which we'll get it to at some point when they win uh the depth on the outside on the linebacker squad could be utilized and the athleticism linebacker Dan henley specifically uh, can be used got to give flowers to kenneth murray though for holding it down last week kenneth murray looked pretty good so for one week all of those negative comments towards him were put to bed austin eckler if it was me if i'm a betting man i don't think he plays this week That's just my guess. Again, no insight, just my guess, considering what he said on recent podcasts and kind of where things have headed. I don't think it's fake, so put that to rest. I think that's stupid. Uh, Okay. Chargers offense versus Vikings defense or Chargers defense versus Vikings offense? What say you? You almost have to start with Chargers defense versus Viking offense. That's going to be the biggest question mark. If there has been one thing that the Chargers have been able to do versus the first two weeks, despite the outcome, is they have been able to put up points. And you have seen the difference in game planning from Kellen Moore from one game to the other. I think that's going to be the exact same type of thing. I personally think this is going to be maybe not as run heavy as the Miami game was in terms of offense for the Chargers, but it'll probably be a little bit more balanced. Um, but yeah, let's go Vikings offense versus Chargers defense. I think that's the biggest question. How are the Chargers going to stop Kirk Cousins and co? So I don't want to to beat the proverbial dead horse, uh, which I don't even like that saying anymore. 2023. So p- pardon me for that. We've all seen the negative statistics on this Chargers defense, whether it's points per game allowed, average depth of target, completion percentage, whatever like it's it's all not good some of the i mean the, the run defense so far again asterisk if you want to because pass defense has been so poor the run defense has been better and so when i when we discuss these numbers and statistics and matchups for the vikings offense keep that in mind so 
Chargers week one went up against the Miami Dolphins. We all talked about how prolific and what a juggernaut buzzsaw that was. Minnesota has the second most passing yards in the entire NFL behind who? Only behind the Minnesota Dolphins. They're giving, they're doing 337 yards per game through the air, which does not bode well for the Los Angeles Chargers, at least the 2023 Los Angeles Chargers. You mentioned Kirk Cousins has been balling 114 QBR rating over 700 yards, six touchdowns, and just one interception through two games. And we all know it runs through Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson second, and Addison and KJ Osborne there to kind of help out. Did you know Jordan Addison, by the way, Jake, has a cool 19 yards per reception average right now? Like, it's a good way to start. That's like Mike Williams' numbers. It's a good way to start. Third in yards per attempt through the air. Third, for reference, the Chargers are eighth. But this is where things kind of teeter for them. All those numbers are great, Jake. But what doesn't add up is they are just 20th in the percentage of their drives ending with points. 20th. <laughs> that Less than a third of their drives That's wild. end in points. For reference, again, we talked about how good their offense is and how much it is compared to the Chargers. For reference, the Chargers are fifth at over 52% of their drives ending in points. Chargers, fifth. <laughs> Vikings, 20th. Points per game, just 22.5. They're 18th in scoring. It just doesn't add up. Jake, what what do you make of that? The yards-wise, at least through the air, solid. Awesome. I haven't talked about the running game yet. <laughs> what do you make of that? <laughs> Probably would have been a little bit better for Justin Jefferson, especially if his pass did not end up going out of the end zone last week. But just in general, yeah, it is a very weird stat. So you can move the ball with it between the 20s all you like, but when it closes up in the red zone, kind of gets pre- prevented a little bit. Um, it sounds kind of like the, the old school Chargers <laughs> offense, essentially, where the Chargers could do whatever they wanted between the 20s. And then when it came to scoring points in the red zone, something just didn't click and you couldn't put it together. So it should be an offense that the Chargers are very familiar, or the Chargers defense are very familiar with in that circumstance. Yes, um, and and also, Jake, what they're probably familiar with is this twenty twenty two Los Angeles Chargers, Minnesota Vikings in total for the entire twenty twenty two season. Again, I know it's just two games, but in total, they lead the league in rushing fumbles, and they are dead last in rushing yards per game. Jake, they have just 69 yards total rushing in two games. <laughs> That's really bad. Longest rush of the season for them is nine yards. Hence the fact of why the Vikings went out and acquired Cam Akers from the Rams via trade. So we'll see if that adds any juice to their run game. Cam Akers had a long run last week against the 49ers. Uh, we'll obviously see what type of impact that has on their running game to see if it can generate any better. Um, Dan, I want to flip to this before we even get into the whole conversation about what Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson are going to bring. Um, Because when you look at the stats so far for Kirk Cousins this year, when he's actually pressured, he's actually done very well in terms of throwing touchdowns and yardage. It's his offensive line, especially now, that is a big question mark in terms of pass blocking. Once again, 
as as it was with the Titans. The Chargers defense is going to have to find a way to take advantage of this with a pass rush in some circumstance or another. Um, when Kirk Cousins is blitzed, obviously it's that passer rating goes down a little bit. But when he is under pressure, just in terms of dropping, you know, just rushing four, rushing three, whatever it is the opposing defense wants to do, he's actually put up good, good numbers despite being under pressure in those circumstances. So the Chargers are going to have to figure something out creative. They're going to have to attack much in the way that they did against the Titans game. This is, this is another one where the trench game should fall in the advantage of the Chargers in order to win this day. And especially with any of the pending updates that we have in relation to Garrett Bradbury and anything else that's happening along their offensive line. But Dan, last week, their offensive line they were just getting demolished by the Eagles on the front. Now, obviously, the Eagles have a just ridiculous amount of talent on that front seven. It's hard to compare anybody's front seven with Uh theirs. But the Chargers are going to have to find a way to generate similar pressure, probably by blitzing, because you're not going to win those type of matchups along the front line. Um, But I I, I know where you could start. You could definitely start by putting Tui Tuapolotu and Joey Bosa right next to each other, much in the in the way that they did against the Titans game. That looked like an absolute mismatch for how Tuli was coming in between the guards after the quarterback, which was of course freeing up Joey Bosa on the outside. And look at the results and what what happened there. So this is another game where trench where the trench game should definitely fall in the Chargers' favor. Yeah, this is a big day, big opportunity for the Chargers' interior defensive line to show up and show pressure. The the guard and center for the Vikings are not great. Uh, Ingram and the backup center we talked about, Schlotman. Those two combined have given up 12 pressures alone in pass sets, and both aren't really good in run blocking either. So Morgan Fox, Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, Scott Matlock, if he plays a bunch. Uh, you mentioned Thule, Morgan, or excuse me, Khalil Mack, Andre Bus, like all those guys. Like I expect them, you know, I, the inside, I think, is where this team, the defense could win. Um, it's it's just weird to me because the, the Vikings offense hums through the air. Their third down conversion percentage is over 48%. They're third in the NFL. But they have zero running game. Now, you know, tale as old as time. We say that leading up to a Chargers game. <laughs> watch buck 50 go on the chargers in the running game who knows so like how do you stop that how do you stop the passing offense because largely we'll talk about this in a bit but they're the chargers pass defense and the vikings pass defense are kind of the same in kind of the bend but don't break type of thing and we'll talk about kind of statistics and stuff but i don't think you're gonna stop kirk cousins and justin jefferson no. Like it's not going to happen. No, contain them. I think at least try take away the things that they're great at. You look at Kirk Cousins, deep middle of the field, going to Addison and going to Jefferson is absolutely deadly. I think he's four for four for like a buck fifty and two touchdowns or something like that. Uh, and T.J. Hawkinson, can we please? I just mail this into the Chargers. Focus on TJ Hawkinson, guard him in the middle and right side of the field on short routes because that's where he lives. Stop that. Stop the deep center of the field. The Chargers could be at least in better business than the Vikings off or Vikings defenders in the last two games. Big day for the safeties. 
Big day for the corners. Big day for the flats. It's a lot of question marks <laughs> when you put all that together, Dan. It really, whichever way you look, just because of the talent at wide receiver that the Vikings have. And even the way last last week, where you look at a t- team that is devoid of a lot of talent at wide receiver outside of DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Vrabel was smart and decided to switch up his offensive game plan and then just started beating the Chargers over the middle in the slot with tight ends. And outside of two deep passes, that was really the story of the game. And of course, leaning on Derrick Henry. And again, this all kind of stems back from the Miami game because that's exactly what um, Mike McDaniel was doing with Tyree Kill. He was freeing people up in the middle, uh, obviously allowing them to go deep. Tyree Kill, obviously you could dump a five-yard pass to him and he could go 60 yards if he wants to. But it was the same type of plan. And I'm wondering if that is specifically what Kevin O'Connell is going to try to take advantage of again. Um, again, we don't know the status of Dayon Henley, but having someone at, with his type of athleticism in the middle could definitely help in the middle of this field. Jasir Taylor is probably going to be tested a lot, depending on how Brandon Staley chooses to rotate the cornerbacks. And I'll be very interested to see who he chooses to match Justin Jefferson up with. Is it going to be JC Jackson? Is it going to be Mike Davis because of the speed element that he brings? Um, I'm not really sure. I think it's JC Jackson or Mike Davis. I think those are the two. I will say this. And this is just a side note. In terms of the rotation of cornerbacks, you, you need to kind of back off on it a little Thank bit. You. I, I, do you. Not, I do not think that it's benefiting anybody. If you want to rotate your guys at star between Asante Samuel Jr. and Jasir Taylor, I think that's more flexible to work. But on the outside, cornerback playing that position is all about rhythm. And having those guys continually come in and out of the lineup, benching, whatever it is, that does nothing to A, instill confidence, and B, take them out of a rhythm of the way that the game is going at the time. So I think we need to slow that down dramatically. Um, You say J.C. Jackson on Justin Jefferson. Okay, let's see what happens. I try to look for like the silver lining in like the rotation of corners. I like the only thing I could think of is they do it for a matchup perspective, which through two games that hasn't worked or they do it from a health perspective. And if you want to call it that they're healthy. So that's worked, I guess, but I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think the rotation of the secondary is not helping and they need to kind of lock that down. In my opinion, it should be, J.C. Jackson and Mike Davis on the outside for one, two. Asante Samuel, Jazir Taylor matchup dependent, depending on the opposing receivers. If it's a speed guy, you go in Jazir Taylor, who needs more physicality. If it's going to be a kind of a shifty one, I'm going for Asante Samuel Jr. in his cat-like instincts. I don't want Asante Samuel Jr. running deep routes. I don't want Jazir Taylor on an island getting shook out of his shoes. That's where I'm going. So, Anything else on that side of the field before we switch over to <laughs> Chargers offense, Vikings defense? Kind of sounds like a broken record when you say apply pressure and your defensive backs are going to be able to perform better. You apply pressure to Kirk Cousins. While he hasn't necessarily done it through two games, you can force some of those type of mistakes. You need to figure out a way to slow down this offense. As Dan said, you're not going to find a way to completely stop them. They are still going to find a way to put up points. 
But third and seven opportunities getting squandered by bad coverages or bad penalties, that has to stop. They are absolute killers Mm -hmm. to defenses. And of course, that we've seen through two weeks, the opposing offense has taken advantage of those situations every time. Yeah. Uh, to go into the Chargers offense versus Vikings defense, I'll start this out. This is going to be a shootout. I would be shocked if this is not in high 20s at minimum per team. This is probably going to be more like a 35-32 type game. Like, if could, could the Chargers defense miraculously turn it around this week and flip away? Maybe. I hope. But if we're just going off statistics and we're just going off of trends that we've seen and what our eyes have said so far... I don't expect it. And again, I can already see the narrative. Let's say the Chargers win 35-32. Chargers defense is going to get flamed again by critics and by social media. Going up against a juggernaut of an offense, at least passing-wise. And they have the Chargers, you know, rushing defense as well. Oh, well, sure, of course. Like, it's a lose-lose situation for this Chargers defense, at least through these first three weeks. I mean, statistically, Dan, there's no arguments with it. The Chargers have given up 666 yards through the air. Hopefully that's not a bad omen. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad through two weeks when your defense in a lot of different categories is at the bottom. But I will say, as bad as that sounds, this might make it worse. You know who I said it before, Kirk Cousins, you said the Chargers gave up 666. Kirk Cousins has over 700 yards through the air. (laughs) God help us. All right, Jake, so let's get to the Chargers offense versus the Vikings defense. Uh, I will give you the floor first, my friend. You know, you would think that I would start off with Justin Herbert here, but even without Austin Eckler, and I even made a tweet about this during the Minnesota and Philadelphia game, I would have to think that Kellen Moore is looking at tape and what DeAndre Swift did in that game last week from a running game perspective that – he's looking to have that running game back on track to a similar level of what it did against Miami Dolphins. Now, even without Austin Eckler, now am I expecting them to put up, you know, what they did there, 200 plus yards? No, I'm not. But I definitely think that you could scheme up a much better running game production wise than what you did going up against the front of Jeffrey Simmons, Arden key and what you faced against Tennessee. So I think this will might be a much more balanced uh, type of a game in terms of being able to utilize uh, the entirety of your offense and having it be more productive. Now, outside of that, Dan, this is going to have to have to be a game where Justin Herbert, I think eventually is going to just have to take over. It's has he, has he looked good these two weeks? Yes. It's, it's just not quite a, what you expected again, week one, you didn't really need it because the running game was looking so well. And Week two, you saw flashes of it for sure. I think if this is a game, and this may be my own personal opinion, but I think this is a game where it's a statement game. Not just from the standpoint of you're facing an 0-3 start. In a lot of ways. In a lot of ways for Justin Herbert, and he has already been on record in saying this in terms of what he needs to do better to close out games. This is one of those type of games. I would love to see Justin Herbert play Superman in this one. I would love to see an offensive game plan devised to where as much as I love the connection between Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and as great of a game as Keenan Allen had last week against the Tennessee Titans, I just feel that 
you still have all these weapons. How can you diversify enough to where you can confuse a defense to where you're going to be able to find guys in single coverage and be able to get them the ball? Joshua Palmer, we knew, was just non-existent in week one. Almost had a great touchdown in week two against the Titans. I feel like he needs to be featured more. I feel like Quinn Johnston, again, week one didn't do anything, got a little bit featured a little bit more week two. I think you have to make this offense more versatile this week in confusing this defense. Give Justin Herbert, again, what we've been talking about the entirety of the season, put him in the best position to win with your game plan, with your offense, with his trust of wide receivers. Because like I said, as much as I understand how much trust he has with Keenan Allen, I feel sometimes he gets too Keenan Allen happy where it's just like, okay, where's 13? Because I'm going to go to him. You saw that negatively impact the team down the stretch in game two. And And it just doesn't need to be that way when you have single coverage anywhere else and other guys that are getting open. So Herbert needs to be better at that. And I think the offensive game plan in general, give me a wide receiver set with five wide. I like the idea of these tight ends starting to get more involved. Gerald Everett, who was just a bulldozer all of a sudden last week against the Titans. Let's feature them a little bit more. Stone Smart starting to climb the ladder up a little bit in the passing game. I liked what I saw there. Just give this defense more to think about than just going out and defending Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Yeah, I put out uh, a note earlier today about the distribution to kind of go to Jake's point. Jake and folks listening, watching, 36 targets so far have gone to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Keenan Allen has gotten, excuse me, 36 targets. Is that what I said? Keenan Allen, 19 targets. Mike Williams, 17 targets. The next closest number to those, Gerald Everett and Josh Palmer tied with just six, 11 fewer targets than the next closest, which is Mike Williams. Donald Parma's five. Eckler's got five. Quentin Johnson's got five and so on and so forth. 52% of his passes are going to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I'm not saying don't pass it to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams more than other guys, but I am agreeing with you that that distribution can be evened out a tad. Give it to Quentin Johnston some more. Give it to Josh Palmer some more. Give it to Darius Davis some more. Let him do what he does best and why you brought him in aside from the special team stuff. I think the distribution needs to be there. But if you look specifically to to this game and looking at kind of the, the Vikings defense, the run defense has been terrible so far. And the Chargers run offense has been pretty good so far. Vikings run defense 29th in rushing yards allowed. 166 yards rushing per game. Mirror that to what they do on pass defense. Eight fewest passing yards allowed at 170 yards per game. Jake, they're giving up almost the same amount of yards passing and rushing. (laughs) That's not good rushing defense. Third fewest yards after catch allowed. So they're a good tackling team. The part where I'm curious if this continues, Jake, is they being the Vikings, they have the highest blitzing rate in the entire NFL Mm. by a pretty wide margin. Almost half of their snaps on defense, 49.3%, almost half are blitzes. Yet only 19th in the NFL in hurry percentage and 22nd in pressure. So they blitz a hell of a lot and it does not end well. 
Again, number one in blitzes, only 19th in hurries, and 22nd in pressures. Eighth highest completion percentage allowed. Tenth best QBRs allowed by opposing quarterbacks. Again, I talked about that bend but not break thing. That's where that kind of happens alongside of what the Chargers do. So, if you look specifically, Danielle Hunter on that interior defensive line is like a one-man wrecking shop. Listen to this, Jake. Five total sacks by that team through two games. Danielle Hunter has four of them. <laughs> Tackles for loss, seven for the entire team. Danielle Hunter has five of them. Quarterback hits, seven for the entire team. Danielle Hunter has four of them. Like, if you can somehow contain him, <laughs> kind of like Justin Simmons last week, if you can somehow stop him, Chargers offense should be fine. So what you're saying is <laughs> make a note about where Daniel Hunter is. Good Lord. Like, it shouldn't be that hard. He literally is the one-man wrecking shop of that defense. And we talk about kind of the, the studs, at least names on the back of the jerseys. I kind of feel weird saying this, but I kind of want to see the Chargers actually target Harrison Smith and Byron Murphy. So far, 11 of 13 completions against those two. Like, it's a- that's you wouldn't think to normally say that, especially the first name in in Harrison Smith. Dan, the other name to bring up, um, one of my personal favorites from this past draft, Ivan Pace. Size be damned, who gives a shit? He is playing out of his mind, leading all rookie linebackers in overall grades right now through two weeks. So he has done a very good job of covering the middle. Yep, a Caleb Evans is the corner that opposing offenses have targeted most. So I look for that trend to continue. Again, it's all about mismatches. Uh, he's already gotten 11 targets thrown his way by far the most on that defense. So bad run defense for the Vikings, a pass offense that gives up a hell of a lot and risks a ton. Chargers fans right now are saying, okay, so they're going to do the opposite of what to attack, right? <laughs> right. That's what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I you know, between the two, that's 170, 166. That's what, 336 yards per game that that defense gives up? Sometimes it feels like, I, th- I don't remember if it was you, Jake, or someone else, but sometimes I feel like the Chargers are, I know you think like they're allergic to like the things that work sometimes. Allergic to consistency. Yeah. Sometimes they get amnesia. There, that's what it is. Uh, and they go away from what works. Like against this Vikings defense, their past defense specifically, it's pretty good. Their run defense specifically is awful. So I would like to see Justin Herbert cook, but I do not want to see them completely abandon the run. Like that just does this team a disservice. And I know that's not what you're saying, right? A lot of people are like, Oh, like they should just go on a shootout. 35, 32 could happen when you're running for a buck 50. It doesn't have to be passing for 420 and running for 50. Like that's the, not Mi- how it needs the to Miami go. game in reality happened on the back of the Chargers run game, putting up yep. that many points. So mm-hmm. if it's if it's working, don't go away from it. But I could definitely see this as if you want to take advantage of it and just knowing Brandon Staley for always wanting to be committed to the run, especially even when it doesn't work. Case in point, look what happened at Tennessee last week. He's going to stay committed to the run way or another. Now. Whether or not that's going to produce, that's up to the five guys up front, obviously, take a, who need a take, big day. Take a page out of the McDaniel playbook, week one. Chargers blitzed some, didn't work. 
They got the ball out quick. Chargers week three are going up against a heavy blitzing team. If you can find a way to get the ball out quick to guys in space, there is a ton of grass and a lot fewer dudes to beat. This is where I'm thinking like guys could like Jared Leverett could actually ha- end up having a really big game. Also, if they choose to, and they already have in certain spots this year, putting Mike Williams in the slot. Is that another yeah. option? That's an option. I kind of want to go the other way though. Like I want to see, I want to see like Darius Davis out there a lot, especially hey, during I'm blitz formations. I want to see Quentin Johnson get those yak opportunities short. Yak if they don't need to go crazy. I'm with you. I'm, but against I'm totally the blitzing defense, against the blitzing defense, like if you get the ball out, that's a ton of potential. Or could this be a traditional type of Keenan Allen game where you have him exclusively working in the slot? based off of this scenario and the pass rush to where he could beat anybody off the line and create space and get open over the middle to where it's like, okay, this is going to be his area for this week. And then you could have options where it's a rotation of Joshua Palmer, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnston on the outside and have them work there. But again, rotate it. I think Kellen Moore is, is, you know, smart enough to how, how much he wants to be versatile with all of these wide receivers. Um, Embarrassment, embarrassment of riches. And sometimes and I think people have criticized not only Brandon Staley, but also Kellen Moore sometimes of like, maybe they're too smart for their own good. And when you have that many things that can work, like sometimes it's just like, Oh, there's too much going on. Like you got the guys. Embarrassment this- of riches. Understand now how to use it. Yeah. How to spend it. <laughs> exactly. And as we get to kind of like the predictions and we get to the kind of the finality of this episode, we could talk about like X's and O's. We could talk about all the matchups, all that jazz. Like, it's all relative. And it's all valid. To me, and I believe, Jake, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would imagine you agree. Consistency. <laughs> Discipline. Complimentary football. I know those are buzzwords, but like for the Chargers specifically, that's what's needed most. It brings true consistency, execute what it matters, do your job, keep the main thing the main thing. If they can do just those things, I know that takes a lot of things underneath it, but those themes, if you look back after week three, and if they did those three things, I guarantee you that they come out of this game victorious. Through two games, they just haven't. And that's just being blunt. They haven't been consistent. They have not been playing complimentary football. They have not been disciplined. And they have not won. They have not finished. That takes discipline. I guess the only other intangible of this game, Dan, is, of course, the coaching aspect as Kevin O'Connell and Brandon Staley know each other extremely, extremely well. I'm wondering, even though he's not practicing, what type of advantage that Eric Kendricks could even provide in the film room in terms of what to look to for this defense. Uh, it's it's a shame that he's not able to go up against his former team this week, most likely. But I'm wondering if that's going to be possible advantage that you could bring to this defense in the film, in the film room. Well, moment of truth. <laughs> Dan's, Dan's favorite segment of the regular season. Stop it. It's quickly becoming my least favorite. <laughs> like, a part of me wants to, a part of me wants to kind of pull what a lot of chargers 
fans do where they predict the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. So then if the worst case scenario happens, Mm -hmm. they're happy because they were right. Correct. But then if they're wrong and the worst case scenario does not happen and the Chargers win, then they're happily incorrect. So either way, it's a win-win. A lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. Jake, you and I are are talking (laughs) offline about 1 to 10, how comfortable we were, how confident we were going into this game. You didn't give me yours. What was yours? What was yours? 1 to 10. I would probably match yours. Even though it's it was a little vague, it still probably was the truth. Where you just said, "Well, it's below five. <laughs> it's below five, which and it pains it pains us to say that it sucks. It sucks. But if we're just being honest, again, through two games, and if you want to extrapolate it out to through the last four games." What has there been on the field when it mattered that would lead us to believe that we should be confident that this Chargers team will turn it around this week? Through two weeks, we haven't seen that yet. And now, that's just and that's just it's only two weeks. I, I'm I'm not factoring into anything that they have done in the past because have they proven that they could do that in the past and in those certain circumstances mm-hmm. and in, traditionally in games where the Chargers lose, they end up coming out on top. Yes, I'm not saying that they are in com- completely incapable of doing such. Mm-hmm. But this year through two weeks, they haven't shown that yet. It's time to step up to the plate and finish. So I'm going to go with, you know, this, this is the heart and the head. <laughs> I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with a little bit of both, honestly. And I'm going to go purely on just raw odds here oh man this will be nice the the chargers have lost two gut-wrenching losses that they could have won yes which i equate to the coin landing on tails okay (laughs) coin flip game again i'm hoping this i'm hoping that this coin does not flip tails again and just going on odds i'm gonna say this one goes on heads I think this is going to be yet another game where Chargers fans and Chargers are going to have a heart attack city mm-hmm. because that's the Chargers middle name. What what game is not heart like attack saying city. that for the what three and a half years we've been on this show. And look, Vikings fans say the same thing. Like Vikings fans and Chargers fans are well, like the Spider-Man meme. Especially <laughs> last year. What the, the Vikings had 12 <laughs> comebacks. <laughs> But like the heart attack, Crazy. like the anxiety through games is just like unheard of. It's wild. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with it. I'll go like 35-32. Chargers. Cameron Dicker last last second field goal type yep. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I again, like I, I don't want. I'm not doing this out of just like pure optimism and just like trying to you know, sprinkle this into existence, but. This you said it. This is a must win. This is a statement game for not only the franchise, for some of these players, and they've gotten embarrassed. And I think that they punch back and find a way. Find a way. So 35 32 Chargers. The only reason that I am going to make the selection that I'm going to make is literally because 
this team can't afford to fall 0-3. Like I said at the top of the show, it's do or die for this team, in my opinion. So based off of that, you obviously know who it is that I will be making my prediction for and favoring. But Dan, as the football gods just really don't like Charger fans. And I think they gain very guilty pleasure about torturing them on a week-to-week <laughs> basis during the regular season. And in, in a weird, backwards, poetic type of way, kind of like to what you were saying, I think it's going to be in a, a very similar type of scenario. Vikings go down the field, score, tied at 35. There's a minute 22 on the clock. The Chargers have one timeout. And Justin Herbert, again, has the opportunity to take his field down to either score the game-winning touchdown or be in a position to kick the game-winning field goal. In in very Chargers-type fashion, I think that same exact situation is going to play itself out. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be much more of the shootout variety that we saw in Miami. Mm -hmm. I just haven't seen enough to think that the Chargers are going to be able to stop Kirk Cousins and this offense, not at all, but I would hope that this offense takes that step forward and finishes when they need to. So Justin Herbert, again, is going to be faced with a late game, game winning type of scenario. Jeez. Let the narrative begin. This time he's going to have to get it. And again, I'm not saying it for the narrative. I'm not saying it for anything else. I just, because of the, because of the matchup and because of just the, you know, We've tight the the narrative of Charger fans have seen this movie before. <laughs> it's so the Vikings. Life is going to just torture Charger fans on Sunday, and that's just how it's going to play out. So for my mental again, health, Jake, I'm I'm considering just not watching. Uh, hey, I, I I don't blame you. I don't blame you. This is why it's hard being a Charger fan. But again, the dedication that is put in from this fan base to support this team when they have to mm-hmm. deal with stuff like this on a week-to-week basis. Whew. In, in one form or fashion, Charger fans get aged every Sunday. I'm not sure how many days, months, years it takes off your life every Sunday, but hopefully not a lot. But Charger fans get aged every regular season on every single Sunday. <laughs> and my gray hair would concur. That's for damn sure. I don't know why. As a close, I don't know why, but... I am exponentially more afraid of going up against Tyreek Hill than the Chargers going up against Justin Jefferson. Like, I know Justin Jefferson's incredible. And I know he's top two, three wide receivers in the NFL. Like, I, I know. I know all that. But for you had some to, you reason... Had to, you had to close the show on that note. No, I know it's probably irrational. Like, I'm fully, like, embracing that. But Tyreek Hill scares me way more than Justin Jefferson with the current system and the current squad this Chargers defense has. They got... got... I'll stop. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me trying to preach it into existence. I don't know. You should stop. But we'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, Look, regardless, by the end of this game, one of these two fan bases are going to be in absolute shambles. And... The thing about time is like it doesn't stop. And so this train's going down that track. So we're either going to be breathing a sigh of relief or a sigh of despair. But either way, <laughs> we'll be here for it. Uh, Jake, this has been fun. Appreciate you calling it like it is. Uh, boy, here we go. 
For Jake Hefner, Dan Wolkenstein, Charges Unleashed, <laughs> and LA Football Network. Cross your fingers, all your extremities. Pray to anything, everything that you guys have, gals have out there. And let's hope that this Chargers team can pull it around on Sunday. Pull it around. Pull it off. Turn it around. There we go. Versus the Vikings. Uh, until then, we'll talk to you next time on the next Chargers Unleashed. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.